All right, here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Non-Victim Nation podcast. I am here today with Byron and Lysander. That's right. From Deep End. Deep End Fitness Scottsdale. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so um, typically the way that I do this is I have you kind of introduce yourselves because sure. you know more about you than I do. So let's start with Byron. Uh, yeah, my name is Byron. Uh, from Southern California, moved out here in April and started uh, Deep End Fitness Scottsdale. It's a location uh, you know, from the main chain, Deep End Fitness, where we teach water resistance, competence, confidence kind of training. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, top swimming, underwater, breath holding. Uh, there's a whole competitive league, underwater torpedo league that goes along with this. Um, yeah, and it's been good. It's been a, it's been a ride. Um, I've got some good members on my team, some good instructors like Lysander right here. Whom I met at uh, Arizona Combat Sports, nice. where we studied, where we trained jujitsu and, and uh, stand up and Muay Thai and all these things. Um, yeah, it's it's been good. It's been fun. Newer out here to Arizona, but uh, I'm I'm digging it. There you go. Sweet. I'm Lysander. Uh, so funny because whenever we do deep end and someone new shows up, I have to introduce myself, and it always takes forever. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, former United States Marine. I joined the Marine Corps um, after pretty much September 11th happened. I was 16 and a half when September 11th happened growing up in Connecticut. I watched the towers fall that day. I was actually in New York City wow. two days before that watching the last Yankees Red Sox baseball game at the old Yankee Stadium. Saw the towers Tuesday morning. Now I'm seeing the towers fall. And I had like this guttural thing that happened inside me where it's like, hey, go help people. Go help pull people out of the rubble. But I didn't. And I remember... I was scared of the repercussions. Now, fast forward, senior in high school, and it's like, hey, what are you going to do with your life? And I'm like, oh, shoot. Never had the conversation with the family. No, there's no, there's nothing, right? Dad has always been saying to me, 18 years old, you're out of the house. Never had the conversation with me of like, hey, we'll cover your student loans. Hey, what do you want to do? It was always just like, that was my dad. That was my family. It was just like, yeah. Right? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? And I'm like, I'm either going to be a chef or I'm going to be a cop. Okay. Talk, talk to <laughs> talk to a cop. I'm like, hey, what do I got to do? He's like, oh, you got to go to school and get your criminal justice. Okay. Is there a job guarantee afterwards? No. You still got to go through the academy. You still got to go through pipeline. No guarantee. Right. Chef, they're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be $50,000 to go to school. Got to take out loans for that. Oh, yeah, you're going to get fat because you're going to be working in the kitchen 12 hours a day, six right. days a week. I was like, huh, we just invaded Iraq. Still very patriotic at the time about stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go do something. Joined the Marine Corps. Uh, served, started serving in 2004 at 19 years old. Um, served nine years. I was a counterintelligence, human intelligence specialist. Nice. So, yeah, pretty. I got to do some pretty high-level stuff. Um, very selective. And there's a story that goes along with that, just like there's a story for all sorts of craziness. But right. um, went over into that world um, in 2008. And then I went to Afghanistan, saw a bunch of combat in Afghanistan. It was wild. Had some things happen in my life then too. Came back while I worked with a bunch of different agencies as well. Came back and I got attached to a force reconnaissance unit as a direct. What we were trying to do was MARSOC just got stood up and MEF needed a SOC asset to attach to the Muse. They said, hey, you know what we should do is we should attach counter intel, SIGINT, and EOD to our teams and kind of make them a 
special operations team, but our special operations team. So mm-hmm. I was kind of the first guinea pig as far as counter intel was concerned to attach to a force reconnaissance team. So I did a full workup with those guys to kind of test run it. So I did a year and a half long pipeline with those guys as like a direct attachment to a team. So I had to do all the crazy stuff, right? Jump and fib. You know, I never did Halo and I didn't do scuba. That's about it. Everything outside of that I did with them alongside as like a team member. So um, even though I'm not 0321, I'm kind of a, you know, uh, what do they call that? Let me give you like a, I want to give you a certification even though you didn't get it. Honorary. There we oh, go. There you go. Kind of, you know, whatever, all that other mm-hmm. stuff. Got out of the Marine Corps because I decided, well, at that time I was doing a bunch of CrossFit and I was pretty good at CrossFit. And I was like, hey, guess what? I can maybe get out and make some money doing CrossFit and not have yeah. to serve the man anymore and go get blown up overseas or any of that crap. Right. So I got out, opened up my own CrossFit gym. That was a pretty wild ride of owning my own business in Southern yeah. California and doing CrossFit all the time and all that other stuff. So own my own CrossFit or own my own CrossFit gym for a while. And that's where I really actually learned my love for like teaching and instructing fitness, especially, mm-hmm. you know, off the podcast, you're we talking about Olympic lifting before this and how beautiful right. of just a function it is. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's where I really got to learn. Like, I kind of love this physical aspect where you're putting yourself through some hardships, but it's like, you have to go internal on a lot of this stuff. You have to learn. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like jujitsu, you know, like um, when you're in bad side control, and you're just sitting there with yourself suffering. And you're like, man, like I can either sit here and suffer and lose and suck. Right. Or Fine. I can find something deep inside myself to overcome and get better. And like, uh-huh. it's a new level of consciousness. Yeah. So that kind of got me on my journey of really finding that love of like getting into really hard situations. I mean, the Marine Corps was that way, but this right. was more of like the fitness side and then teaching people. Mm-hmm. So, um, did that and then everything fell apart. <laughs> so right. I know, like I said, long winded introduction here, but, uh, I got blown up in Afghanistan and I didn't know that I had an undiagnosed TBI. Oh, okay. um, so the F the effects of me working 60 hours a week, running my own business, plus what I was putting myself through finally caught up to me. Mm-hmm. Um, longer story, SSRIs decided to come off of SSRIs because I just didn't feel proper it didn't feel good i wasn't supposed to be doing this right it felt soulless um so i came off of that and then everything just crumbled Mm -hmm. so i had to go through like a couple years of rebuilding of like going internal fixing things which led me to like finding holistic remedies and some spiritual stuff and led me down to the amazon rainforest in in peru drinking ayahuasca getting in a whole bunch of other stuff like this so after going through all those things i actually looked back at my life and I said, what can I do to serve? And I decided to start getting into coaching men mm-hmm. because I think that's one of the biggest things that we're running into right now is a lack of masculinity. Yes. And I'd actually even go so further now after going through that process, the last five years of trying to coach men, I'd say it's a lack of culture. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest impact that I'm trying to affect in this world today is bringing back a culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's we are, a, we are nothing without a culture. Yeah, that's yeah. an incredibly important thing that I think that we have lost sight of, of over the last 50 years. I agree. You know, um, we have entirely, and this is not to disparage single mothers in any way, but I will. If you, <laughs> but if you look at the statistics of like how 
things have changed and piled it's, it's not the know, best way yeah it's clearly. it's really not working it's yeah. if we want to talk about epidemics mm-hmm. pandemics real things that have tremendous dysfunction in a society mm-hmm. that's one of them yeah the the loss of the nuclear family mm-hmm. is by far one of the greatest even we'll go so far as i don't know if you've seen the recent studies they actually just showed this they said that a single father household mm-hmm. a single father household has the same effect on the child as a two parent household or close to right where the other that. thing is the other thing is when you look at the statistics of a single mother household mm-hmm. we now look at all the other things that happen mm-hmm. so i think that was number one that's why i've pushed back greatly if you look me up mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some things out there because I was very, very boisterous, very boisterous about this stuff for a long time. But I was like very, very adamant anti-feminism, very much pushing back against this stuff. And then, like I said, just the destruction of our culture. Mm-hmm. So it's wild. Yeah. Some would say it's by design and it it certainly appears like it might be. I think so. You know, yeah. if, if I if I look at myself as a person that likes to be in control, which I am. And I wanted to control society. Mm-hmm. Want to eliminate masculinity. Mm-hmm. Just easier to control. That is very true. What type of leader does that make you, though? You know what I'm saying? A, no, a, I hear a terrible you. one. Listen, no, 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 one hundred percent. I'm talking about my darkest. For you know, sure. Yeah. Yes. But but that's why I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Because I think within every man. So this I was talking about this off of off the air earlier, but there's a really good book out there called King Warrior Magician Lover, and it talks about the four archetypes that men try to build up to. Mm-hmm. But then what it talks about is the two shadow forms of okay. those archetypes that mm-hmm. we're striving to be, right? So like the pinnacle of those are the king, the warrior, the magician, and the lover. But beneath that, so for the king archetype is like the high chair tyrant and then like the weakling prince. And we've even heard about those in past stories and past mythologies, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, the shadow side, the one that isn't, integrated the most is going to sit there and say, Oh, I've gotten to this position of power. Now, what am I going to do? The one who hasn't earned it, who hasn't climbed the mountain to get there. Or right. The, right. The entitled one that's Correct. been passed down through yeah. the bloodline. Or, or the one who's been coddled too much by mom or yeah. society or whoever. And they yeah. get there and they say, okay, well, I know I'm not, I know I don't deserve this, but what am I going to do when, now that I'm in this position? Mm-hmm. Right. Agreed. So it's like, I think that's what we are seeing in this world today. Think we're seeing the shadow forms of everything mm-hmm. be pushed out it's like it's funny because i have the the nuclear bomb the first uh actually first hydrogen bomb tattooed uh, on us the one that they dropped on bikini atoll and one of the reasons why i have that tattooed on me is not just this background story but it's also to document and understand kind of how humanity is whenever you have these new technologies what's the first thing that we tend to do with it we want to go test it out. We do well, but then we also turn it into a weapon. Exactly. And we have to learn from the destruction because pain is our greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. Pain is our greatest teacher. We have to learn the dark side before we can learn the light. And I think that's another thing that's wrong with our culture today is we try to teach people through the light how to become even lighter. Let's try to say like a Jedi style if you really want to look at it. Right. But the reality is the darkness is really what teaches you how to become a force of good or a force of light or whatever right Mm -hmm. so it's like we have these things and we do bad with it and then soon enough people are like why are we doing that like that's bad we should turn this into something else right 
it's almost like, okay, well, what can we do with that nuclear technology instead? Right. You know what I'm saying? So that like, it just takes time though for us mm -hmm. to get there. So it's not at all coincidental. I don't think that we met while training jujitsu because this is where you find these kinds of mindsets, you know, right. men that are willing to learn to fight, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I think that's necessary for, for strong men. Oh yeah, it definitely is. Um, I think that one of the highest priorities for men is to be a guardian and to be a pro provider for the right. people that they care about. Those are our two prime directives besides reproducing. Yeah. It's so, to be a provider and a protector. There's a reason why men are driven to be that way mm -hmm. in everything that they do. Right. It's part of our code. And I not just our code mentally, like as mm -hmm. it's like in our DNA, yeah, part right. of our structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'll give you a different example to that. Um, a lion, if you took a lion cub and raised it completely in captivity with humans and gave it every manner of like socialization and whatever, 70% of that lion's instincts and, and uh, responses, let's yeah, say every, everything about them yeah. is already there. You cannot change that. Yeah. They can be somewhat tame, but at the end of the day, it's still a fucking still lion. lion. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't ever stop yeah. doing that. Okay. That's the same thing. It's it's part of who we are. It's it's the way we are designed. Right. And despite the fact that a lot of that has decayed over the last, let's say, eighty years for yeah. sure. Because that's yeah. where I I like to mark it off in the '60s when we had this social revolution in our country. Right. And that's where the turning point came in. This is where feminism and the Marxist ideologies and stuff like that started to get mm -hmm. put into our academic centers. And right. then with the advent of having these entertainment industries promoting these types of things as these are the people that we need to be listening to to steer our country that's what we started to see that's why you'll start to hear more about like this blank slate equalism this idea of a blank slate mm -hmm. everything is now based on socialization there's no such thing as biological imperatives or any of these other things right. there's no such thing as social or sexual psychology mm -hmm. or biological psychology right right um it's no, everything is done by socialization, mm -hmm. right? So what do we have to do to people? We now have to socialize them to these ideas because they're a blank slate. Oh, he he doesn't really have these masculine urges and desires to do things. Mm -hmm. it's, because so, it's because society right. tells you that you, you don't really like the color blue. It's, you only like the color blue as a man. You don't like playing with jeeps and guns and sticks and all that other stuff because you're a man. It's because... Society told you that you're a boy and that you like those things. Does it make sense? Yeah. That's absolutely incorrect. Obviously. Yeah. Right. They're trying to create a myth that this is a social construct and correct. that it doesn't exist outside of reality. Like, right. It only exists because, like you're saying, we've been told that that's what you're supposed to think. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's the problem, too. I, you know, I could go through a list of philosophers that I study, mm -hmm. but it's the mindset of these materialists. They, they think that everything is a material, there's an input and an output, and you're always going to get, if you input, you're going to get outputs, right? right? And that there's nothing beyond this material world that really truly exists. Mm -hmm. So it's just going back to like what you're talking about, control and all this other stuff. But then also that there's no movement beyond this world. Mm -hmm. There's no laws or order outside of this world. It's right. just this. Yeah. So when you're born, you're born into this body, TV on, right? And then when you die, TV off, blank, nothing else, nothing exists, right? right? So now you're a programmable thing. Right. Yeah. 
And I know that that's a lot of what they're trying to do in academia now because they've hijacked so much of that and they're trying to force everybody into the their viewpoint that is not reality. Saying, you know, trying to claim that there's no such thing as objective truth, only mm -hmm. your truth. That doesn't work. For sure. You know, we, sure. we talked about this again kind of before we started recording. The idea that there's somebody who has lived in a world where they've never had consequences and they get it into their head that, that they are something until they re meet the real something right. and find out this doesn't work. Well, yeah. and that's the problem with everybody being so offended yeah. is when they realize there's like some glimmer of like a shatter of that veil of their illusion. Yeah. Now they consider that violence. Right. Right. Yeah. They conflate so, the two things together. For sure. Well, that's the ego. That's their ego kind of learning like, oh, shoot, you are not the only thing or you're not the, the top of the pyramid. You're in this state of flow with everything else. Right. And your worldview is not that. And I mean, that's kind of to bring it into kind of the deep end side of thing. And then like we could also talk about how jujitsu and all sorts of other stuff does this. But that's kind of the beauty of like what we do in the pool mm -hmm. is I talk about this with jujitsu for sure. There's no. There's no liars on a mat, right? <laughs> you can't you can't lie on the mat. Weights right? don't lie. The pool doesn't lie. Right. The, the mats don't. The mats don't lie. Like yeah. it's a complete mirror. Yeah. You you learn one of the best things that I learned about jujitsu back in the day was like I could even learn and understand when my diet was off because mm -hmm. I'd be crushing it weeks before when I was on point with my diet, and then I show up after a week of not eating properly, and I go and roll, and all of a sudden it's like, oh shoot, I'm off. Yeah, like, that's that's it telling me right. But like the cool thing with the pool, I would say that's a little bit different than jujitsu. One, you're not getting beat up. I mean, you're getting beat up in the pool, but you're not getting mm -hmm. like <laughs> like black eyes or any of that stuff. Right. But the big thing is, it's such a cool tool for you to have your own experience mm -hmm. inside where you kind of get to get that ego check. Mm -hmm. You get that ego check and you get to go into this like dark corner of your brain mm -hmm. where it's like, quit, give up. Oh my God, you're weak. Oh my God, you suck. And it's weird because you could kind of hear it louder it's a voice. under the water. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Like there's something. It's amplified. It's amplified because sure. it's the only thing that's going on. And like, I don't know if you've ever done a, um, those float tanks. Uh, so yeah, sensory, sensory deprivation. deprivation. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that, where like because your sensory is almost so deprived underneath the water, because mm -hmm. that's all you got, that voice between your ears can kind of talk to you a little bit louder. Mm -hmm. It cuts through it all. And then there's something weird too. You're 14 feet deep, even eight feet deep. Like if you're in the middle of the water column doing a bob and you feel that pressure coming up and you're just sitting there and like it's like, man, I need to quit. I need to get out of here. I need to get up there. Oh man, like. I could tell that I'm off. Mm -hmm. There's something about that fear that comes in so, so loud mm -hmm. that so, you could, that you could turn off too. Sorry mm -hmm. to cut you off. No, that's okay. But like you could turn it off and it happens so fast in the water. It's like, mm -hmm. it's weird. It's the evolution is so weird, but anyway. Right. And, and that's why it's such a good medium for growth. Because once, right. as soon as you get past that, you mm -hmm. immediately feel, wow, I conquered that. I can conquer, mm -hmm. you know, whatever else is coming at me. So kind of on that point, could you explain a little bit about like some of the actual exercises and things that you do so people get an idea of that? Um, yeah, I have it, but we can. Um, so um, keep in fitness, uh, 
founded by uh, Don Tran and Prime Hall, mm -hmm. um, some Marine Raider friends of mine. Um, yeah, so basically, you know, the principles, the founding principles are, are very much, you know, similar to resistance training that, that they've done and taught mm -hmm. um, over at Camp Pendleton and elsewhere. Um, yeah, so it's just, you know, it's, it's finding calmness under pressure mm -hmm. and, and utilizing that power that you have to negotiate through, through obstacles, you know, in the pool and outside of the pool. It's a very universal, you know, concept. If you buckle down and, you know, find the will to win, you know, commit to yourself that I'm going to do this hard thing. I'm going to hear these negative voices. Mm -hmm. They're going to get loud. Pressure, feel, yeah. I, I still get the pressure now as an oh, instructor, cool. right? Like I, you know, cause now I have to perform in front of people too. Now I right. really can't, you know, screw up or whatever. So like, it, it's still there. Um, but every time you fight it, it's like, it's like fighting demons or fighting an opponent. Right. Um, and it doesn't even matter at the end of the day, if you win or lose, you showed up, you gave it your best. You know, I mean, I like to win. I'm a competitive person, but um, yeah, it's it's a great medium uh, for that. So it's, to answer your question, uh, uh, the training is, is, you know, there's a reason why so many military units use that as mm -hmm. a as a medium for testing out, for weeding out people, you know, to to test, uh, you know, mental perseverance, let's call it. Or, right. Yeah. However, the big thing is, though, as as military as it is sounding, it's not. It's very much for anyone and everyone to come into. It's open at home. We have plenty of civilians out there at all levels. We teach kids. We teach, you know, some people are just learning how to swim. You know, yeah, so. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to just kind of break down the structure and some of the movements, too. So I would say it's not nearly as intimidating as, like, walking into a CrossFit gym, for instance, where there's a bunch of weights, there's ropes, there's all sorts of stuff. We have right. very minimal equipment. It's the pool. We got some bricks. Sometimes we do some weights. All you got to do really is show up with goggles, a towel, and water yeah. and you're and you're ready to rock good, good positive attitude yeah for sure exactly right. yeah. so it's like there's we not that fun. much of it's, a it's a good time but mm -hmm. regardless the way that things always go to our biggest thing that we try to focus on is we try to really teach people and we try mm -hmm. to teach them more about themselves than really what the, that's what this is is like that's why i really like the name too deep end because it's really taking you deep into yourself like you are going to peel back the layers of the onion right i'm a daily meditator right it took me years and years and years to I resisted meditation. I thought it was stupid. Right. Mm -hmm. But then I learned what meditation was, where it was like me going in and like getting inside of my own head and listening to that voice and then being able to work with stuff. The deep end does that. That's what we're talking about is like that water for some reason, it lets that voice pierce through that veil a lot quicker right. so that you could have that conversation. So we kind of, the first thing we do right when we show up, Hey guys, let's circle up. We do a circle of trust. We introduce ourselves. Hey, let's introduce, let's become a community. Let's understand like, all right, you know, kind of safety first, obviously buddy system. This is what we go through. This is all this other stuff. But like, what are we trying to get out of today? What's your personal, what is your personal goal? Why are you here? Why'd you show up? Mm -hmm. What do you want to conquer? Okay. Yeah. Right. If you're new, introduce yourself why you came here. If you're not new, that's where our veterans come in. What's your goal? What's your objective today? Concrete. I hold them always to task. Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, I'm just here to have fun. It's like, okay, that's great. What does fun look like though? Right. Right? What does fun look like? Your goal is just to have fun. Hey, you know what? I'm just trying to be more relaxed in the pool and enjoy my presence. Great goal. Right. Perfect. You have identified it though. Mm -hmm. I'm not letting you get away with these nebulous, whatever. Like, you know, when you talk to someone, you say, hey, how's your day going? They look at you and they say, yeah, good. You say, oh, I'm a veteran. Someone says, thank you for your service. It's mm -hmm. like these 
Yeah. No, no, no. We're not getting away with just gliding and coasting through. Like mm -hmm. you're here for a reason. What is it? Right. Tell me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then at the end, we do a circle of trust again. What is it? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a hot wash. It's a recap. Did we hit it? Did we not? How do we feel what's going on? Mm -hmm. So we do a circle of trust. The next thing we do is we go into a breathing exercise. We're either upregulating or downregulating. I'm either going to hyperoxygenate you to get you ready for some breath holds. I'm going to teach you how, when you're in a stressful environment, mm -hmm. how to bring yourself back to state mm -hmm. through breathing. How crazy is that, that you can control this when you're in a crazy state? Right. So I've actually heard that, that the reverse of that is also possible. You can actually push yourself through breathing into a, an anxiety, like panic state. We do that to we show you know, people this. So There's, just to understand that it is capable to go there and then to come back and to come back. Yeah. We call it gears of breath. I know I'm not supposed to use that term. It's a little no, DM, but we teach people how to shift their breathing gears into different states of breathing. And then we show them how to shift themselves back down. Right. On top of a few other things, like, okay, if I'm doing something that makes me rather hypoxic and I'm starting to see the wall close in and I'm, sh and then I'm freaking out because I'm like, oh shoot, I'm going into the thereafter. Like, okay, how can I, <laughs> how can I bring myself back down to be grounded again and be in control of my environment? Right. It's like, you could take that when you're getting your butt chewed at work, or you could take that when you're doing a freaking 20 mile rock and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it back to my car before sunset. Mm -hmm. You can sit there and find your presence and gain control. So those are like the first things that we go over. And then from there, we always go into a warm-up. And usually the warm-up is going to have incorporated into it workouts that or uh, movements that we're going to do that day mm -hmm. in our workout of the day or workouts or sorry, movements that most people have trouble with or things that are going to get them into a, a higher state right off the bat. Like, for instance... Why do you, why, why do you, whenever you go to a CrossFit gym, the first thing they have you do is go for a run, like just a jog, 200 yards. Why? Cause running sucks. No one wants to freaking run. <laughs> Disagree. I love running. <laughs> running stupid. It's not, I, 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 run, I find running very restorative and meditative. Yeah. Personally, but okay. He's lying. Gotcha. No one likes running. Whoever says they like running, they're lying. I they definitely do. don't like running. <laughs> running is one of those things that, that I have to do. Uh, yes, you do it because you have to yeah, do it. Yeah. Thank you. That's why people do it, right? right? It's good. Yes, of course, you know, runners highs and people who like they've they've taken a task and they're like, okay, yeah, I, I can, can turn this into something fun and enjoy it. And, but no one actually sits there and says, I actually, everyone at some point has to motivate themselves to go run. Mm -hmm. It's like ripping that band off. You just start moving, which is the beauty of it. I guess it's different for me. I've built up that mental muscle. I, That's what I'm saying. I dig, yeah. I dig running. I like that I can run faster than you farther than you and that's you know that's yeah there you go <laughs> um, especially when you can outfight me you know i'll find you yeah that's all i have to say um but yeah so we warm up and like like i was saying yeah we just try to rip the band-aid off quickly right something that you may not like is going to be in there and it's in order to get you geared up get you yeah. past that you're already in the water right let's do something now that's going to suck like for instance bobs Mm -hmm. Most people hate bobs. You guys ever hear of a bob? Mm -hmm. So a bob is a pretty standard movement in any type of uh, special operations screener or part of their assessment and selection if you're doing anything in a pool or uh, scuba. A bob is essentially <clears throat> you are bound. You have your hands tied behind your back and your feet tied. Now mm -hmm. simulated with what we do, but that's mm -hmm. kind of the, that is the standard. And essentially what you're going to do is you're going to descend 
from the surface down to the bottom of the pool. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to ascend back up and you only have one breath at the top of the pool or one, the trajectory, the, uh, what's the good word, the momentum that you have to go back down. Mm -hmm. That's what we call consecutive bobs. So you're not allowed to sit up on the top of the pool and kick. Right. You have to go back down. You have to go back up and then you have to go so back it's down. discomfort, a little bit of relief when you get a breath and then right back down to discomfort yeah. again. And yeah, a lot of people don't like it based on their buoyancy or they don't know the technique or form. It's very mm -hmm. uncomfortable. So a lot of people right. don't like that stuff. So we put them usually right into something like that. Or an underwater crossover, for instance. So a crossover mm -hmm. is swimming underwater. Okay. Listen to the pool. Right. We usually measure those. So our pool is 25 yard. Like, all right, that's the standard. 25 yard for a basic or mm -hmm. 50 for a advanced. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people do that stuff. Um, then we'll usually go into um, a few different skills. So practicing underwater, brick pushes underwater, farmers carries underwater, or we'll do top water stuff, or we'll do mid column stuff. Mm -hmm. Rescue Whatever. swimming techniques where you're, yeah. you know, picking up a body off the, off the floor, not a body, but a person. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. Simulated body, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And then yeah, we do focus a little bit on top water stuff. Um, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into it. Mm -hmm. But then another big component that we like to drag into this is not just the individual stuff, but we also bring a lot of teamwork stuff as well. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like my that's like my pet. That's my that's what I really like to do is really like to put them all together, the the people coming saying putting someone in, in trouble and you have to, as their teammate, you have to rescue them. Mm -hmm. Their life is in your hands. It's good to see a group of people from all different walks of life, military, civilian, you know, focusing on putting the goal of completing the objective before mm -hmm. their comfort right. level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's an excellent lesson something. to learn. Yeah, it, it, it's I mean, amazing. It is, right? I mean, that's how, we, that's how you get things done. That's right. And it's amazing to see too, that when you give people these tasks as an instructor, especially if they don't have a military background, how fast, mm -hmm. how quickly they adapt into it. The first time right. is like, you can see them up on the, and they're going to go down. It's like, and I'm, I'm, I hate to say this, that I'm yelling at them, but I am aggressively. Uh, uh, my a taskmaster, let's say. Yes. Cracking the whip. I, I'm go. there and I'm, I'm, but I'm trying to get them in the state. Right. You have somebody down there who's depending on you. He's hanging out on the bottom of the pool. Right. He's in more pain than you are right now. He's waiting for you to come save him, and you are focused on you right now. Mm -hmm. You don't care about them. What are you doing? You're screwing everything up. You're screwing. You you are screwing. Yeah. You want to be an individual right now, or do you want to be on the team? Right. And it's just beautiful to see them let go and then go down. Mm -hmm. And then they come up, and they're like, that was way, that was easier than I thought it was going to be. Right. It was better than I thought it was going to be. And collectively, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut go, you no, off. There. Uh, you know, we need that. You know, I I like to be surrounded by people that I can depend on because mm -hmm. that allows me to push my limits and, and right. build myself to a higher level. So if I don't have that that level, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it hurts us all. So for the longest time, I've been saying that I honestly believe that everybody should join the military for the very least two years. Because a just going through basic training and like the, those sorts of things is an experience that they're not going to get anywhere else, right? And because it does an excellent job of team building, that you have to get Agreed. to that point where discipline you are all a cohesive unit, mm -hmm. right? And you get to again that point where you're willing to put yourself or you're willing to put somebody else before yourself. You know, you understand that the only reason, the only way that we all survive, 
is if we all work together and we all care more about the guy standing next to us than we do ourselves. Yep. Agreed. The, the warrior archetype, right? And, and you learn the skills. You learn the skills of how to protect and how to defend and how to, you know, kill if necessary, right? right. Because ultimately, I mean, that's our most base instinct. That Before that, you that, can lead, you must serve. Yeah, There's an evolution agreed. to everything. Right. That was, as much as I had great disdain for the military after I got out, full, like full send, right? I'll, I'll say that. There's a lot of things that I saw in the military that I greatly disliked because they were starting to move away from exactly what you're talking about. It was no longer a brotherhood. It became a political and bureaucratic institution of people covering their, their asses and then selling other people up over. That's, if I'm going to be real, after 2008, that's what started happening in the military. That's why I had to get out. Before that, I did see semblances of the brotherhood, but you could see it was starting to go away. Right. Um, but one of the greatest things that I learned being in the military was, especially as a young man, mm-hmm. 18 to 30, I hate to say this to young men, you're still, you may turn 18, but you're not a man yet. Right. You're, you're a male. Yes. Right. You're no longer a boy. You're a male. You're in a male body, right? You're an adult male body, mm-hmm. but you're not a man. Right. Um, becoming a man is a journey. And I would say the, the, the biggest time frame is from 18 to 30 for you to become a man. That's, that should be your right. journey. And it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. But the best thing that I got to learn in that time frame was this is something that I can't stand seeing in today's world is I had to look at men of higher rank than me and I had to address them by their rank. Mm-hmm. I had to always be on alert around these people, identifying chevrons and acting a certain way based on who these men were, right? Right. I had to maintain my haircut. I had to have my room cleaned at all times. I had to uh, understand, I mean, even even just marching and stuff like that too and boot camp and all that other stuff. But being in the military, like I had to be on time everywhere I went. Mm-hmm. Every situation that I was in, every surrounding that I was in, I had to be aware of my surroundings. Mm-hmm. That was that was like boot camp lesson number one, like <laughs> situational awareness constantly, right? right? Um, but yeah, I I sat there the other day just thinking about that. So I'm about to hit in on March 15th would be my 20 years. Mm-hmm. If I had stayed in, I'd be hitting my 20 years. And I was like, man. It's so weird thinking about that because like I would look at the guys that were in 20 years when I was in and be like, oh my God, those guys are so old. Right. Holy crap. Like, God, man. And I look at myself and I'm, you know, I'm still like young looking and sexy and all this. You know what I'm saying? Like, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm, but, but I'm like in all, in all seriousness, like I look at myself and I see these old salt dogs and in no way, shape or form do I feel like I look in that way. Right. And, um, when I was younger, obviously, like being in the military, I, I I learned a lot of things that you don't you don't see happening in today's culture mm-hmm. of the youth. And I hate to be that hoity-toity man of like these young rap scallions today. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, right. gen- but it is true. It very much is true. Like we have three generations sitting here saying that about our youth today. Of like, these kids are corrupted. These kids yes. are. They're, well, they're, they're not situation, situationally aware. They're all they different. don't have to be because they're insanely entitled. They, they believe they know it all because they have this device in their hand. They have this magical thing in the air called the internet, right? Like, 
that tells them everything at every time and can entertain them anytime or jerk them off. I mean, I hate to say that, right? But you can go and watch porn anytime, right? We have this magical thing that we didn't grow up with that right. can give them. And then all of our school systems, institutions are telling them, you are the greatest. You are the greatest. Right. You guys are so smart. You're so much better off than those people were. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then not to mention, you have them armed by the state too, where if I was a father and my son came home and he started saying some things or doing things that I don't like, mm-hmm. and I had to bring in some use of force, let's just say, right. discipline, some real discipline, my son could sit there and say, oh, I'm going to call child services or I'm going to call the police on you. And then all of a sudden you have men with guns showing up to your household, mm-hmm. getting ready to put you in a cage for you being a father. It's like, kid, our youth isn't scared of shit today. Mm-hmm. I was scared when I was younger. Yes, I was too. <laughs> I was scared when I was younger. And I think that fear and that pain that I had incorporated into me mm-hmm. was huge. And I think the military is that other faction of it too that helped to mentor me to have some semblance of that, right? Like, right. Yeah. A <laughs> lot going on these days. There it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as like the training goes, how often do you find people that hit just kind of a wall and they say, I can't do this? It's never happened. They always get through it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't recall anyone. We've had, we've had some people be like, I'm, yeah, we've never had anyone like freeze up. Okay. Never. We actually have oh, op- we actually have the opposite. We have people that are more willing to push themselves farther mm-hmm. and push the boundaries and possibly even we'll talk about that. No, I mean, but I, they'll that, push themselves is, in the water where it gets scary, right? Well, I mean, Saturday we had five PRs right on distance for, sure. for max underwater crossover. I mean, that's that's the beauty of the program. It's you know very measurably, you know, we show their results, you know, mm-hmm. breaking through these like mental hurdles. Yeah. I think that's the thing too. And then the other thing too, is that we see people that show up that had like almost no skill in the water and then Mm -hmm. showing up twice a week for three weeks, all of a sudden they're like putting in some work. Yeah. It's it's crazy to see how fast, Mm -hmm. because that's all it was. That's all it is for them is just getting over some of that fear. Well, kind of on that, like, have you had anybody that had a previous negative experience that almost drowned or, or something like that? We had one guy come and join two weeks ago because he had drowned twice. He got pulled out in a riptide in Hawaii and I forgot what the other case was. And he said, you know what? It was my new year's resolution to get over my fear of the water. Mm-hmm. And he showed up and we put him through our screener and what he hit a 25 yard crossover. No yeah, problem. That he did day. Well. Yep. After we pushed him a little bit and all that stuff. It's like, so we teach some skills and certainly some people come in, you know, kind of timid, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But that's what, that's what, that's what we're there for. Mm-hmm. So we teach some skills and we teach the, you know, the breath work and you know how to stay calm under pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not the, 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 the big difference that we have is it's not, we're not coming in there or we're not having you come in and we're putting you through like a SOCOM screener or a SOCOM, right. whatever, where you're actually there and we're going to kick you in the dirt. Mm-hmm. It's like, Although we put each other through those kinds of things. We sure do. Too. Yeah. On the, on the side we do. But, right. And we don't put anybody through that until this is very, uh, I hate to say civilianized. This is very much a more of a mentorship where we're going to push you, but we know how to push the boundaries in certain cases. And I'm as as someone, I'm not going to push you if I don't think you're 
if I don't think you're ready, but you'll know if I'm pushing you, then I think you're ready. Right. No, you're ready. There's, there's, like I said, it's all levels. It's very scalable, mm-hmm. yeah. all the workouts and, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's, it's really just a matter of, you know, competing against yourself, right. Mm-hmm. Pushing yourself to be better than you were yesterday. Right. Yeah. So I think that's one of the big things, cause you touched on this earlier. It's sort of like jujitsu in the sense that you can be in a bad position and you could maybe panic or feel claustrophobic or whatever like that. But on some level, you still understand that you can tap and you're done. You know, you're, you're safe. Right. You know, when you're underwater and you're not breathing, that's a whole other thing. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> it's like there isn't just instant, okay, I'm okay now. Yeah, for sure. You know, for so. Sure. Well, the crazy thing about the water is it lets you know. Mm-hmm. The, the walls start closing in. There's not just a, you know, like in jujitsu, there are some times where the walls close in quicker, depending mm-hmm. on how much pressure is being applied. Mm-hmm. The water only has so much pressure to apply, and it it's kind of it's not, it's not going to immediately. Yeah, it's not going to be a snap. You're out, yeah, right. right? Unless you push yourself, and like, if you're pushing yourself, we know what you're doing. We already know that you're attempting it, and we're watching like from we're the surface of the water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So you're going to feel the walls close in. It's so funny too because a lot of people don't realize that they have forty percent left in the tank. Okay. And that's another thing that we teach people is like, and this is some from our own stories. Like for instance, uh, I hit a 75 yard underwater crossover. Right. And one of the things that I had to tell people was like on my 25, I was already starting to gulp for air. And like, that's not a good sign. Right. Right. I was, or I think I had to like breathe out a little bit cause I felt too much pressure. And then on my way back towards my 50, I was already starting to gulp for air. And then I kicked off the wall and started swimming another 25, which is a huge distance. And it's like, I come up to the surface and I tell people who thought that it was like nothing for me to do. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I already started to get the, like, that's what happens under the water. You'll feel it. Like you feel like you're running out of air. You're like, you start gulping. And it's weird because you have about 40% left when that starts happening. Still plenty left in the tank. Of that tons. Yeah. Like, dude, think of it. 40% left. Like, right. You're not, you're not anywhere near red line. Okay. But people will hear that and they'll be like, oh, that's me saying I have to get air or else like in 10 seconds, I'm going to be blacked out. And then all of a sudden I'm going to be convulsing and peeing and pooing to myself. Right. You know what I mean, it's like, <laughs> no, 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 you're not, you're nowhere near that state or right. nowhere near that. That's so far away. And that's one of the biggest things that we teach people. I think we've gotten to the point where we've had some people that have been like, oh yeah, I had to like gulp 20 times. Mm-hmm. Like I gulped, I gulped for air 20 times before. I had to come up and that would usually be on like a static mm-hmm. breath hold where we're sitting there watching people on the side of the pool, hold their breath where they're going, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, they got way more on them. And like, that's kind of the, that's one aspect of the beauty of what mm-hmm. that water's teaching you. Right. It's because that all you got to do is from that position, you just got to go up split second. You're up, you're breathing air. You're fine. Right. And then we're watching you too. If you shallow water at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the biggest scary thing is the shallow water. And usually what happens there is someone will come up and quickly gasp for oxygen after um, not having oxygen for quite some time. Right. And there will just be like a quick snap where the brain shuts off for a quick second mm-hmm. because it just got shocked right. from having all that oxygen. I had this happen to me a long time ago. I was sitting there with just a squat or a barbell on my back. And I was sitting in a deep squat for like a minute and a half, like flexing my hips. And I was like, you know what would be smart for me to do right now is like explode out of this. Like I would that like I would a snack. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I explode out of it. And I'm like, and I hit the top. And then next thing I know, I'm on the concrete and I got a busted nose and my face is bleeding. I'm like, oh, cool. 
<laughs> that's what that is. <laughs> you know, so that's like the For scariest him. thing. But guess what? In the pool, you don't have concrete. Smack your face on so right, There you gotcha. go. Byron will save you and give you mouth to mouth. You'll there love you it. <laughs> so how did you initially get into this? I know you 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 met the, the guys that started it. Yeah, I met uh, Joel and Trin doing uh, some other tactical over the beach training with another uh, tactical group, defense strategies group out in Santa mm-hmm. Monica. Um, I did well with it. And, uh, you know, later on found out about uh, franchise opportunities and mm-hmm. uh, passed the instructor course out in Vegas in 2022, the end of the year. And mm-hmm. then uh, I planned on coming out here to Scottsdale for a few years now. I just had to get my son off to college first. Right. Um, yeah. So here we are. There you go. Not not even at year one yet. And uh, we've already multiplied. We've uh, now just recently opened up a location in Tucson and Mesa oh, nice. as well. Our buddy Dave Kroll, my first, uh, the first instructor I had underneath me, uh, Dave Kroll just opened up one in Mesa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got a little friendly rivalry going. There you go. It's not really rivalry. No. They're, they know what it is. He's a good guy. It's a good program. You know what it is. It's not rivalry. It's interesting. It's on the But yeah, I do anticipate some good uh, competition uh, coming up here with the Underwater Torpedo League. And, right. Uh, yeah, we'll be traveling around the country, mm-hmm. you know, playing. Uh, I mean, what do you call it? Like soccer underwater with a torpedo? You're not it's, kicking. It's so it, weird to say because it's like hockey and hockey. football. Yeah, right? I mean, there's, with like there's little water nets polo and a torpedo, <laughs> and you just you hold your breath for a really long time, and you get to the other side of the pool, and you pass, and you, you tackle. You know, it's it's physical. Um, um yeah, it's, it's fun. It's so that's fun. kind of an offshoot. Like deep end is kind of like a feeder into UTL. Okay. Right. So like you get good or you start going to deep end and like you're doing whatever. And then we'll like throw a torpedo in at the end and we'll be like, have fun. Mm-hmm. And then all the skills that you learn from doing the deep end stuff just kind of happen mm-hmm. in UTL. So that's kind of like the game aspect of what we do with the skills we do with, with uh deep end. Mm-hmm. We usually play afterwards and it's right. It's a riot. It's a good time. It's a riot. Nice. It's a lot of fun. So kind of going again, back to something that we were talking about earlier, are there any plans to like incorporate like an actual um, mentorship like program for like young men, like specifically just for them there, to enter into the program? There certainly could be, you know, we have quite a few younger guys, uh, you know, coming from various gyms that we go to, you know, Arizona combat sports and, and Camelback CrossFit. It, it, it certainly could. Uh, so one of the things that we like to talk about is there's there's a higher purpose to this. Mm-hmm. We just deep end is kind of just a feeder, just like jujitsu is kind of like a feeder. Mm-hmm. Um, but we like to look at deep end more of like the not initiation, but it kind of is. Like, is this the type of person who's gonna be able to go into the other avenues? Mm-hmm. Right? Are they capable of putting objective first over you know? Can they, a little can bit they of they discomfort. Control, yeah, can they control themselves emotionally? Can mm-hmm. they control themselves X, Y, Z? Um, one of the big dreams, it's coming together. Obviously, we needed to be, we needed to get bigger. But that's always been my big dream is to create an academy. Mm-hmm. I want to create an academy slash wellness center and um, bring in veterans because that's one of my big things is I, I really do believe that 
the stuff that we do, the the avenues and approaches that we do could really help veterans that are struggling. Obviously, we know yeah. veterans are struggling, 22 a day, all that good stuff. I've been through that pipeline myself. I realize and understand that there's something more to it. There's There's something more spiritual to it than just throwing drugs and going to therapy. It's like, no, 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 I need a brotherhood again. I need a purpose and I need to be challenged. Right. It's like, okay, we got that for you. We got mm-hmm. the right avenues by which. Then the next thing is, okay, we need to affect youth because our youth doesn't have mentors. Right. Our, our young men don't have mentors and they're also being pushed to believe that masculinity is not the right, is not the right avenue by which to channel their right. masculinity. Yeah. It's just strange, right? Oh my God. Yeah. I need to be masculine. Who would have thought? Like, that's crazy. So there's, there's a bigger picture to all of this for sure. And that's something mm-hmm. that we've been chewing on. It's just, it's, we're pushing a rock uphill right now, my man. You know right. what I mean? Like every single thing out there. I mean, I've been trying for the last five years. I've, I've had my own podcast. I've written books, mm-hmm. done a whole bunch of stuff, but every, every institution out there wants to make sure that you aren't heard. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, this is non-victim nation. I don't believe in being the victim, but sometimes you got to know what your enemy's doing, right? Right. I hate to say it, but they're very good at controlling the narrative. Mm-hmm. It's been that way for the last couple of years. We saw it with COVID. We see it with politicians today. We see it with any right-wing influencer that's online, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. It's, so it's the good fight. Yeah, it is the good fight. Yeah. yeah. It's very good. Yeah. So, you know I mean, mean, honestly, that's why I started this podcast. The whole point of this, and I tell this is kind of like my elevator pitch when people ask what the podcast is about, yeah, is to get people to understand that they're capable of way more than they think they are, and that just because bad shit happens in your life doesn't mean your life ends. You, yeah. you, you know, you can move on from that and become better. You For can sure. like take those experiences and become better or stronger. And part of your story. We yeah. need those experiences to become better. Yeah. Quite, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, you know, the whole narrative and this this whole battle, you know, whatever societally, whatever. Like, that's necessary for us to find our calling to be our best person. Mm-hmm. You it's know, Ouroboros, uh, the snake, Ouroboros. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. <clears throat> I'm just a big believer too. Like I look at the stuff that's happened to me. I hate to say happened to me, happened for me, I guess is probably just my story. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's one of the biggest things that I had to learn was before it was, why are these things happening to me? And then I had to look at it from a higher dimension, a higher aspect. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, those things happened to turn me into who I am today. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. That's another thing that I see, and largely because of what they're being taught by social media, by the mainstream media, uh, education, that, that it's wrong to fail, you know? That is 100% the wrong thing to be teaching people. Agreed. You do not learn anything if you don't fail. Failure right? has been my greatest teacher. Yeah. I say that. I say it all the time. Like pain, fail. Well, failure is pain, right? Let's be honest. When you fail, you feel a lot of pain. Right. And the problem was too, for me, that was my biggest thing, was when I was in the military, there was a zero defect mentality. There was a zero failure policy. Mm-hmm. It sucked. And I mean, but that's kind of the beauty of also being a Marine is that we are that high standard. Right. Right. Like that, like you're not allowed to fail. And I got into the mindset that I will never fail anything. Mm-hmm. And I come out in the civilian world and I open up my business and then I falter. I falter because of my mental health and I failed. That I failed. That business is no longer right. So that's right. a failure. And that was a big, big, big wake up call to me. That was mm-hmm. another gigantic shock to my 
to my ego that I had created for myself, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, wait, first off, I didn't believe that there was any such thing as PTSD. So that's never going to happen to me. I was Mm -hmm. bold in that, you know what I mean? And then now my business failed. And now all my friends that I had and all the social status that I had is gone. Like Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, when my business, when I was faltering, everyone to the winds. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you, (laughs) you learn quickly who your friends are when stuff like that happens. And I I hate to say it, I didn't have any friends. Mm -hmm. Um, But then that kind of launched me on a path of like, I had to rebuild after that. Mm -hmm. And um, part of that rebuilding was looking at things that had happened and saying like, wow, this is, that didn't happen to me. Going back to like what we're talking about, that happened for me. That was, that's a part of my story. I needed that crack in my foundation because that showed me that there were other cracks I didn't know were there. And I had to tear up the foundation, mm-hmm. completely rebuild. Right. You know, and uh, I forget who, I think it's Bukowski. Bukowski says this. He's like, uh, a lot of people in this world have never gone crazy and it truly shows something along those lines. Right. So, like, essentially, <laughs> okay. what he talks that about is like, very Bukowski. Yeah. So, essentially, what he's saying is like, a lot of people are so caught up in living this world of appearing to be perfect and normal mm-hmm. that they've never had these flaws or these failures happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can look at someone, I can tell if they've ever hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. People wear it. You know what I mean? Like you can look at a lot of people, you can look at a lot of people today and you can see that person has never really had struggle. They've never had to pick themselves up off the floor. Right. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's like an inner belief that shines through in yourself and your ability that you can get through anything. Yeah, there's just something. There's something about looking at someone who's like kind of lived a cushy life, and you can see it in their eyes. They just haven't seen. Mm-hmm. They haven't. They haven't been. They haven't been ripped apart. Yeah. 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 No, they haven't been. Ripped. It's like looking at like a, a fawn. Right. <laughs> well, it kind of goes even beyond that. Not only have they not had those sort of experiences, they've never even had to do hard work. I agree. They've never had to like actually use their fucking hands and do something hard physical labor mm-hmm. and get through it, yeah. you know, and deal with it on a regular basis. Not just once, but like this is yeah. your job. This yeah. is what you have to do to be part of the community, to be part of the family, and to survive. I agree. You know, I love that's that. important. You know, I love we're that. growing up in a society where that's become almost unnecessary. There are too many people that can live their entire lives without ever having to do any hard work, you know. Because they can sit behind a keyboard and make their money that way. You know, if you're a, a female, all you have to do is like show off your body and make mm-hmm. tons of money that way, mm-hmm. you know? So literally they're getting paid to show up, not to actually right. do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is teaching them all of the wrong lessons in life. Because again, when that fucking thin veneer goes away, what's going to happen? You have absolutely nothing to fall back on. You don't have right. any other skills, no other mechanisms to deal with stress and to survive when you really need to. That's why I like the old way. Me too. Huge fan. Huge fan. Now, I also believe that we should use some of our technologies that we have today. I'm not a big, I'm not a big believer that you're uh, born to to work. Right. Mm -hmm. I think exactly like what you're talking about. We should have things in our society for sure that teach the lessons Mm -hmm. that teach you the manual way first. It's like, uh, okay. Marine Corps boot camp. When I went through, we had an, what was it? I'm one of we had an M16, right, with right. iron sights, and we had right. to shoot a silhouette yeah. target at 500 yards mm-hmm. standing. Wait, no, no, we were prone. But we had to shoot a five, at 500 yards with iron sights. Right. If you know how to shoot with iron sights, you know how to shoot with anything, if I'm yeah. being honest with you, right? Right. 
you have the marksmanship abilities, if you have mm-hmm. those fundamentals, if I slap an ACOG on it, you're going to shoot well. Yeah, you're going to be just like that. Right? But then all of a sudden, what do they start doing? Mm-hmm. Right out of boot camp. ACOG, 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 ACOG for all these guys. And it's like, right. can you shoot iron sights? What? No. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Got to earn it. Right. Well, what I'm saying is it's not... It's not necessarily about the earning it part. Right? No, I mean, learning the fundamentals, learning, learning. Thank you. Yeah. There has to be I mean, a baseline. Everything, everything fails. And that's what's goal. gone wrong too with our culture is that we've lost all of our tradition. We don't even have, we don't have a semblance of any tradition within our culture that even makes it, That that's what tradition is. Tradition is your foundation. Tradition is your baseline, right? That's why we have tradition. Like, even if this person's not that competent or capable, at least they're pumped out of like a system understanding the basics a system that's worked and, and thrived and flourished for, right for sure yeah. and like it's like what we were talking about earlier with the single motherhood stuff it's like mm-hmm. there was a reason why the nuclear family was such an important part of our culture mm-hmm. right it's because if we separate from this it's going to start to ruin right and decay so i think that's one of the two biggest things that is that is destroying our country right now mm-hmm. is our moving away from the nuclear family and having fathers in the home and people moving further away from religion. And I'm not even a religious person, Agreed. you know, or some spirituality. Yeah. So, something oh, believing yeah, in something so. higher than themselves. Sure. You know? I agree. You know, you know, I've, I've talked about this for a long time for a couple, for quite a few years now, and I'm 100% on board with you. I always struggle and with the religion aspect, but then I sit there and I look at something like Islam, which mm-hmm. is thriving right now. And you look at these countries that practice Islam, right? And I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to hate Islam, right? I went over there and I fought and I fought against these people who killed my friends and blew me up and all this stuff. I'm supposed to hate these people. Mm-hmm. And I look back and I sit there and I say, man, your, your environments are thriving right now. Your mm-hmm. people are strong. Your people are willing to fight and die for their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I fought against them as people as well. And I sit here and I say, man, these people were warriors. It's crazy. You're not seeing the same demiurge that's going through Western society happen in Islamic states. Mm-hmm. Does it necessarily mean that religion is the key? I don't think so, but I can have a healthy respect for that. But what they have is a belief. Right. And they have, they have a belief in something higher than themselves that bring them together as a community mm-hmm. that they're willing to fight and die for which is amazing. Right. I'm trying to remember if it was 1941, 1942, when they were at war and on Christmas, they stopped yep. and they climbed out of the trenches. They actually came together yeah, the Germans and celebrated. Yep. Yeah. The Germans yep. and the Americans. And they celebrated together for that, just that short period of time because they understood the war is not going anywhere, mm-hmm. but we don't stop being humans. We mm-hmm. stop believing what we believe. Right. You know, and it was probably one of the most amazing things to have lived through that and just to even look at it from here. Hell yeah. To say, you know, that's what it means to be human. Right. At the end of the war, we don't hate the Germans. Yeah. We don't hate anybody else. You could go down the list of all of the terrorist organizations, you know, sure. and say, you know, just like you're saying, we should hate those people. What we should hate is the ideology and, and whatever it is that's teaching them to be that they're, what they're doing mm-hmm. is the correct way. Right. Right. It isn't the individuals. They're just following their beliefs. Sure, sure, sure. You know, the machine or you know, yeah. and that's also what's happening in this country now. We have like our fucking 
our whole education system is just designed to do nothing but indoctrinate children. I agree. You know, you can't Teach hate you what children. to think instead of how to think. You have to hate the ideology that's pushing all of these I things onto them. I agree with you. You know, yeah, there's a difference between good ideologies and bad ideologies. There's a different, and at some point, and this is the big thing that I had to learn too, especially as a student of philosophy and someone who would call himself a philosopher. And someone who in the past would even identify in the past, I would have identified as libertarian where it was like, Oh, just let people believe what they want to believe. It's like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. There are ideas out there that are insanely harmful. Yes. There are things out there that are harmful that you have to create a boundary against mm -hmm. and you need to fight against. Right. It can't just be, you can't just be live and let live. Mm -hmm. I'm not a firm, I'm not a firm believer in there. There has to be, there has to be left and right lateral limits, right? you know, and I, I hate to say this too, you know, but when it starts coming into the, the touching of children, mm -hmm. right. Things like that. I agree. But that's what I'm saying. Some people could from a, from a philosophical perspective say, well, live and let live. And it's like, no, 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 no. There's, there's things in this world that are to not be allowed. Right. And it drives me nuts. It just like, literally winds me around the axle to think that there are actual people out there right now that are trying to normalize this and make it an okay thing. That's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. to say that, that it's okay to have those thoughts in your head and then to act upon it at all. Correct. You know, it, it should be the thing that everybody can agree on that this is hundred percent wrong. And yet that doesn't seem to be the case. Mm -hmm. We find ourselves in a place where we actually have to try to convince people this is wrong. Right. You know? Yeah. There, there comes a time where there's been enough talking. Right. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's so funny too. I learned this lesson. I got accepted to Berkeley a couple of years ago and, um, I was like, Oh, perfect. Let's go to Berkeley. I want to go there and I want to be in the lion's den. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least I'll be there because like, this is when I was at like my peak too. Like I was arguing with everybody, right? Like mm -hmm. philosophical stud at this point, like let's go, let's debate, let's do this stuff. So I'm like, all right, let's go to Berkeley. Let's check it out at least and see. And like, I could go there and I could at least start or like, I could at least start pushing back in their own turf. Mm -hmm. Philosophically speaking. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to learn their debate tactics. I'm going to learn exactly where it's coming from. I'm going to go and like, let's do this. Mm -hmm. I show up to Berkeley for my veterans orientation. I drove eight hours up there from San Diego. So I'm supposed to spend the entire weekend, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there at their dime. They're trying to get me to come to Berkeley and show up. I think I show up at about 4.45. At 6 o'clock, we have a mixer, right, where we're going to meet at, like, the local whatever on, on campus, little bar or whatever, bar beer garden or whatever. So I show up there at 6 o'clock, and I have to pee. <laughs> so I meet a few people, and I'm like, all right, hey, excuse me, I need, I need to use the restroom. And I wasn't impressed with the people I met at that point in time. Mm -hmm. But then I go to the bathroom, and I walk. And I say, hey, where's the bathroom at? Like, okay, go through that door. All right, go through that door. I open the one door, and I'm like, okay. I see two doors. I see a door here, and I see a door there. I'm like, all right, cool. Sweet. Mm -hmm. One door here is blocked off, and then there's only one door to go into. And I'm like, huh? Open that one door, and then I see a wall. No shit, a wall. One wall here, mirrors and sink. Then a wall that looked like cells. From top to bottom, you know, you guys know when we go into the bathroom, mm -hmm. you got your, you got your urinals, mm -hmm. you got your stalls and the stalls, right. you got the cutouts right underneath the bottom or whatever. It's not completely closed off. It's right. 
you got some you got some space, but you don't got some space. Yeah. You know, you can hear people doing their business. And Just stuff. enough space. Yeah, exactly. Enough to peace, somewhat peacefully do your business. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Top of the, uh, what's it called? The ceiling to the wall, to the floor, the ceiling to the wall. And it's like a slide door all the way. Weird. Yeah. I'm like, what the heck? I go in my little cell. Mm-hmm. And right there on the bat on the at the base of my toilet is a little tampon disposal thingy. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. The like, where thing. am I? This is so messed up. And I realize, oh, I'm in one of these weird unisex tranny bathrooms. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And I walk out and there's some they them sitting over there washing their thing. And I'm just like, I'm the fuck out of here. I'm like, I am not coming to this place. And you want, I'll tell you why. And it's not to be Mr. I'm a bigot or any of this stuff. You know what I realized in that moment? It wasn't like, oh, they support this. I knew what I was getting into. I didn't realize it was there yet. Mm-hmm. But you want to know what I realized at this moment? This was 2018. I realized that they were past the philosophical argument stage. Mm-hmm. Should we do this? Should we do this for our society? We should do this. This would be good. No, no, no. They were taking action. Mm-hmm. We are past, we are now past discussion at that point in time. Right. Does it make sense? Yeah. It, it certainly feels like there are quite a few more steps ahead of where we are if we're just constantly trying to play catch up ah, with yeah. them. Well, I think the biggest problem with, if we're going to say the right and conservatives and average every day, let's say even center, center and beyond, right? Mm-hmm. Center to right. The biggest problem is this. We still think we're in the discussion phase. We still think, oh, we can win them over. Oh, we can vote the solution. We can vote. Guys. That was 2018. Where are we at now? We're on the eight ball for sure. And accelerating. Yeah. Better, right? Better mm-hmm. fewer things. But the question is then what? So this is where like the mentorship programs come in. We let, you know, read. I don't want to say. We need an alternate education system. The public education system and the government system oh, we do. is fucking broken. And yeah. it has been for, I don't even know how long. Okay. We need to completely Action. overhaul that whole, the whole system. Take your children out of the school systems. Yeah. Private enterprise. Yeah. Private, yeah. private academies. Not even just collaborations 100% like this. 100% down with that too. But also. Fitness. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Jiu-jitsu. Bring jiu-jitsu, your kids to jiu-jitsu. Firearms training, you know. Mm-hmm. Cohesiveness with do it with your son. Go to these schools. Yeah, go to jujitsu yeah. with your son. Have your kid, son go to uh, what's it called, and then you do something. Do not be the do not be the father that's sitting there watching his son do jujitsu and not know how to do this thing. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? That always gets that's me. a big one. Don't take your son to go buy airsoft stuff and then you not go and do airsoft stuff as well. You know, mm-hmm. like those right. are that's a beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if your school system is pushing any of this other stuff, take them out. Homeschool. Right. Who cares? enough people do it, there's just like what we were talking about before here. Enough people are doing it and it becomes part of the community. No one's going to come knocking on your door saying, hey, you're you're neglecting your child by not having them go to school. Right. Vote with your feet. Vote with your dollars. That's what I like to say about everything. Yeah. Vote with your attention. Right. Mm-hmm. Withdraw your attention from things that aren't feeding you. Withdraw your feet. If you're not liking what you're seeing, remove your dollars from X, Y, Z if they're doing something stupid. Yeah. Plain and simple. Right. So there's that. But then if you want to build, what do you have to do with those dollars and those feet and that attention? 
you got to put it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of along the lines of like where we're at is it's like, okay, the beautiful thing that we have right now with deep end Scottsdale is we have a group of men that have already gone through a lot of this stuff that are already on the same lines. And then women, we have women coming out. And what I'm saying though, is kids. from the mentorship perspective, we've been through it. Mm-hmm. We've been through it. We're ready to, we're ready to pick up, take up that mantle. It's a good program and it's, mm-hmm. and it's, it's more than just water competency and confidence. Right. You know? Um, so that's a thing that I don't think a lot of people understand even about jujitsu. And this is something I tell people all the time, especially if I, when I find out they have kids, it's like mm-hmm. one of the best things about jujitsu is that if you train long enough and hard enough, well, when you, when you're practicing jujitsu, you can very easily find yourself in a bad position. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you continue to train, you continue to learn. You understand that if you keep moving, you keep trying, there is a way to get out of that situation. You know, it isn't as simple as just tapping out and starting over, right. you know, because life is not a fucking video game. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there isn't a reset button. You have to keep trying. You have to keep thinking. You have to keep moving. You have to keep doing something, right? Otherwise, you really are going to lose, right? So in, in a very uh, discreet way, jujitsu is teaching children and adults, for that matter, perseverance and i can't think of a better lesson for them to be learning i agree you know i agree that's a, that's a good medium a beautiful art you know to yeah. teach all those things absolutely yeah. yeah yeah without getting hurt too badly either like I, don't get me wrong i love me some muay thai i love i love fighting i love getting right. my cage doing mma stuff but man after after a couple of weeks of just sitting pads and sparring and stuff i'm like man my knuckles man my nose man like my shins Right. You know, I mean, sure, jujitsu, you get to make some pains, but mm-hmm. you definitely don't get nearly as beat up with it. And that's why I kind of, I like that as a good, like, foundational medium. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention, I don't know, there's just something about it. There's fun, something, right. yeah, it's fun. It yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you hit four I, rounds. I sometimes get my ass kicked by Lysander, you know, mm-hmm. it's fun. Yeah, all the time. As so, yeah. one time ago. Uh, um, well, <laughs> and then, kind of going back to the deep end thing, I think that takes that whole concept even a step further. Because now you're not engaging with another person, you're engaging just it's, with yourself. It's right. you, and that you know, voice. And that voice in your head. It's like you have to be able to overcome that to get through whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, because that voice in jujitsu is hard to find. Mm-hmm. It take that one that one takes years. Right. And not a lot of people really put years into jujitsu either. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm one of the lucky ones where I've been going eight years steadily. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like and now I'm starting at the level I'm at, I'm starting to hear that voice where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, I can listen to you. It's still hard. Right. At least in the water, though, that voice is like mm-hmm. a freaking microphone where you're just like alone with it. There's nothing else. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. man, this sucks. I'm scared. And the voice is like, go up, go get, get out of here. Like, even get out of the water right now, go get your towel, get your shit and leave. Like, you know what I mean? Just on a purely psychological level, some of the worst fears come from fatigue and loneliness. When you are alone, mm-hmm. you are at your most vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just you and your mind and all of the negativity, all of the bad experiences, all of that shit is swimming around in your head and there's nothing now to drown it out. Yeah. So you don't, most people don't want to be left alone with that. And that's the experience that they're going to have. The scariest thing in Afghanistan that ever happened to me was when I felt completely alone. Mm-hmm. I got caught in a dust storm. That gotta be crazy. I got caught. We had a dust storm moving in. We were just outside of a village where we 
had some bad guys. Mm-hmm. We were in the, we were in the village. They're like, Hey, dust storms moving in. We could see it off on the horizon. Like it got so bad. Like as together, as we were moving, we had to turn IR strobes. We had to turn on IR strobes and we had to turn on our knot or we had to use our nods rather. Um, during the day in a, in a complete brownout and we were like nut to butt on each other. We have our 360 cordon, right? All vehicles. And I don't know what happened, but my guys broke off and went to the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And I think I was like talking to someone here and I turn and I go looking for my guys and I can't see past three. I can't see past three feet and they're gone. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the middle of this. I'm in the cordon, right? Granted. Mm-hmm. But I don't know where my vehicle is. I don't know what direction I am. Wind's blowing like crazy, dusted out. And I'm just like, I was the most scared and pissed at the same time. <laughs> right. And kind of embarrassed too, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? I was like, what the fuck? I am all alone in the middle of this desert in this foreign country. Bombs are like everywhere, right? Bad guys over here. Mm-hmm. Good guys are over here, but I don't know where they are. Right. And I'm just like, fuck. Like so out of my mind scared. Mm-hmm. It was wild. But I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because I sit there, as you were saying that, I was like, I've been on patrol in some bad locations. Mm-hmm. But because I had my guys with me and I could see visual and we we're all tactically sound, like I feel safer right now. Mm-hmm. But it was in that moment where I was alone. Right in the middle of this desert and this brownout where I was like, fuck. We, we won't leave you that alone under the pool, under the water. You, right. you might feel like no it, problem, but, but we're... But we're... <laughs> We're right there. We're right there. I got an old rescues. Yeah. We're right there. There you go. Yeah. Um, so I definitely want to be respectful of your guys' time. I greatly appreciate you coming in. It's been very interesting learning kind of a not to put too fine a point on a deeper aspect of what you're doing. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> but uh yeah. So uh one of the ways that we typically close this out is we ask people like uh, what's your best dad advice? Best dad advice? Yeah. That's easy. I, I mean, I've already raised a, a rock star son. You know, I got a 20 year old at, uh, at Colorado State University contracted in scholarship. Gonna go Rangers after the ROTC program. I guess it was this it was, uh, you know, it was, it was just failing and, and keeping moving forward and just mm-hmm. trying to be the, you know, the best role model and the best person that I could be. Mm-hmm. And I'm not perfect, right? No, no one is. You know, I, I look upward toward the hierarchy. You know, toward faith and just trying to to be my best mm-hmm. and and try to lead by example. So there you go. Best dad advice, if I could sum it all up, would be when the adventure calls, answer it. There you go. You want to expand on that a little bit? Sure. <laughs> See. The- I think every man is called on the hero's journey at some point. Mm -hmm. There's a saying that uh, in every man's life, there's only five opportunities in which they're called to be a hero. Okay. So you got to think about that. If I only have five opportunities ever to be called upon to be a hero, if I say no to those opportunities, what's my life going to look like? Mm -hmm. So you got to sit there and you got to contemplate that. And I think uh, one of the greatest lessons that, really sunk in for me was this like I had to be very aware when I was 16 and a half I had that ability I had the ability mm-hmm. to get up off my couch I even remember standing up I remember standing up and saying I'm going to go do this I'm going to drive to New York City right now I'm going to go pull people out of the rubble and then I convinced myself due to fear not to do it mm-hmm. and I remember that feeling in the pit of my stomach 
feeling like a coward, feeling like I failed, Mm -hmm. feeling like I didn't answer that call. So that when 2003 came around and I was graduating and we invaded Iraq and I said, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. And that voice came back in my, in my mind and said, don't, you're going to go get hurt. You're going to get killed. What's this for? I said, no, I'm doing this. Right. I'm going on my adventure. There you go. And I couldn't ask for a better life, to be honest with you. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And it lines up with our tagline for the podcast. It's like the story of your life is being written right now. And you are the hero of that story. Beautiful. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah. So anyway, thank you very much for being here, guys. I'd cool. love to have you come back again sometime. Absolutely. Talk more. Absolutely. So. I'm going to have you out to the pool. It's definitely got to uh, do that soon. Can, can I do a, a quick shout out here? Uh, we run our program uh, Wednesday nights at 545 at Cactus Aquatics. Uh, Saturdays at 115, also at Cactus Aquatics in Scottsdale. This Saturday, we're doing a collaboration with Wounded Warrior Project. So we got a bunch of those guys coming out. So it is at a different location at uh, McDowell Mountain Ranch Aquatic Park, I believe it's called, also in Scottsdale. And that's at 1230. Register online at uh, Deep End Fitness Scottsdale. There you go. If you need any of that information, do follow Deep End Scottsdale on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That would be it. Deep End underscore. Yeah. Thank you for having us, Rico. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been a pleasure. Pleasure. It was great meeting you. Uh, we hope to. <laughs> You know, collaborate with you more. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. in this tactical sphere and right and uh, yeah. There you go. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also, you can now support the Non-Victim Nation by donating via listener support directly on Spotify. Remember, the story of your life is being written right now, and you are the hero.